Hello, and welcome to the Trauma and Mental Health Reports podcast series. We aim to share stories and knowledge on topics related to trauma and mental health with the community. My name is Chiara Genvito, and I'd like to welcome our guest for today's episode, Ashley Broder. Today, we will be discussing the topic of abortion and mental health. Let's get into today's conversation. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for being on today. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much. It's really nice to meet you and, and be able to talk to you today. Mm-hmm. To begin, I was wondering if you'd like to give our audience a little bit of an introduction to yourself and a bit of an explanation to the work you do. Of course. So, um, like you said, my name is Ashley. I am a registered psychotherapist practicing here out of Toronto. Um, most, if not all, of my services are often are offered virtual because of the nature of, of what we live in today. So, um, I offer uh, psychotherapy kind of options for anyone ranging from like teen to um, yeah, like upwards. I also have taken a training in what we call abortion doula. And so while I don't take on that role as a full um, scale abortion doula, it is training that's informed a lot of the work that I do with a lot of the clients that I work with. And I do have a um, vested interest in that work and in, and being able to hold and have conversations around reproductive justice and around abortion care and how it impacts our mental health. So I'm excited to be here today. I think it's wonderful the work you're doing. And I mean, abortion doula, I'd love to hear more about what that entails and um, how that is contributed in your work. Of course. So I took a training um, by, they're called DOPO, uh, D-O-P-O. And I, I highly recommend them for anyone who is interested in learning more about inclusive abortion care. Um, the role of an abortion doula would be someone who supports somebody through the process of um, learning about, inquiring, or um, seeking out an abortion. So before, during, and also after. For myself, I take on more of what I would consider, I guess, aftercare in the fact that while I personally don't uh, have the capacity to take on the, the during care, um, I do work with a lot of people who have experienced um, an abortion, whether it's um, usually directly after the abortion, but more often than not, it's actually people who have experienced an abortion and who come to, to talk about it, to process it anywhere from one to uh, 10 to 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's amazing. I think that work is is great to have someone to support you through an abortion and and to be there. Um, how do you feel y- your training as an abortion doula has kind of contributed to your work with clients who, as you said, have experienced abortion and any time in their lives? Of course. Um, initially, uh, a couple of years back, I had a personal experience with um, seeking out an abortion and it felt so isolating. And no matter where I went, I mean, Google was the enemy just because the, the organizations that pay to come up on a Google uh, search uh, regarding abortions are not necessarily the people or the communities that support abortion. Um, so the information that I found was really overwhelming and daunting. And I felt very isolated. 
And so when I moved into the, the job or the career that I'm in, I knew that I wanted to be able to provide more support. I also knew that I wanted to be a little bit more vocal about talking about abortion. Um, because like I said, it, it often is still very stigmatized. Um, it's, it can still be a very like taboo subject. I've even found in some of the therapy platforms in which you would find clients, you can't even use the word abortion as something that people could search for. So unless a person knows where to get resources from, which again, can be so hard to find, I just found it to be very limiting. So I took the training so that one, I think it was like a uh, healing for myself. And then also so that I could have more tools and more resources to either direct people to where there are resources. And a lot of what I do is more directing, or if I do um, work directly with the person just to support their mental health um, after. Yeah, I think that, like you said, the resources part is so important and to, and to, to be able to provide that when it is such an isolating thing, like you said, due to the stigma, it can really make it feel like abortion needs to be something that's hidden or, or not mm -hmm. discussed. But I think, I think it really does. And it's important to have spaces like this where, you know, we can talk about it openly. Mm -hmm. um, on that note, as we're focusing on the topic of mental health and abortion today, I really think it's necessary to note the importance of ensuring reproductive freedom and reproductive justice. Um, I'd really love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what's currently going on um, mm. with restricting access to abortion. I know in Texas, that mm. has been a topic of discussion recently. Yeah. So um, in my training with DAPO, they really practice from this, we call it, or they call it like reproductive justice. And they pull from um, a collective called Sister Song. And it's a woman of color reproductive justice collective. And how they define reproductive justice is it's the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, to have children, to not have children, um, and to parent the children that we have in a safe and sustainable um, in safe and sustainable communities. When we restrict uh, reproductive justice or when we restrict the human right to just maintain uh, autonomy, um, we really are re restricting um, just people's, yeah, it, like to me, it's a human right. Um, I know a lot of time the languaging is to be pro-life um, and what I really, I think, struggle to understand about that, that side of the argument, if that's what we want to call it, um, is that we forget about the life of the human who is um, considering or seeking out an abortion. Um, often, you know, we have found and seen that it often is um, individuals who are more um, disenfranchised, disadvantaged, like seeking out these services. Um, I read a book, I think it's called Motherhood. I believe that's the name of the book. And the author's take on anyone who restricts um, personal bodily autonomy is more like as a control. It's like, I think her quote is something around um, like the people making these laws and legislations are, are actually like scared of what would happen if she uses the term women, but if, yeah, if women had the if women did not fall into the role of 
of motherhood. Like, what would that mean? Um, I thought that was a very interesting take that, yeah, to me, it's like they're trying to control and force uh, individuals to live a certain type of take on a certain role that they don't want. And I think also what research has found too is that often when laws restrict uh, bodily autonomy or when they restrict or they criminalize abortion, um, it does not reduce the amount of people seeking that abortion. It actually increases the amount of dangerous and unsafe uh, abortions. Because if someone is choosing or wanting to seek that as, as an option, um, they are going to. Often too, sometimes in our training, they cautioned us about using the word pro-choice because sometimes it's not necessarily even a choice to have an abortion. It is like, it is needed. It sometimes the abortion is, is um, it's not necessarily a choice. So yeah, I mean, to sum it up, I think what's going on in Texas is like disgusting and scary and impacts a lot more more people yeah yeah i i definitely agree i think you know the control aspect is a bit a big part and i think it's it's important to have it as an option to consider when it is needed and to you know allow people to to go through that it's a process that it's important that it's available and and safe and accessible and in ways that you know the people who are needing it can access it um so yeah i think that that is really important and you know i i, I truly hope that there can be strides that can broaden the access to abortion and you know make it so it is more accessible um what do you feel about the range of emotions that one can have with an abortion and can you tell us a bit about you know that experience if it's you know having an abortion and post-abortion or it's you know seeking an abortion and it not being accessible or legal in your area yeah I think it's important to note that yeah like the the emotional experience of an abortion can vary and it's not always going to look the same way some people feel relief. Some people feel overwhelmed. Uh, some people feel nothing. Um, some people feel um, like grief. Some people feel anger. Some people feel uh, at peace. So I think it's really important to note that there is no one correct way to feel um, about an abortion um, before, during, or after. I think a lot of the work that I do or a lot of the work that I know abortion doulas do is just to support whatever the emotion is and to support the person, the human who is experiencing it and just to make sure that they know that their experience, their feelings are, are valid and um, that whatever it might be that it's okay to feel that. I agree. I think, you know, it, it's important not to make it seemed like one may feel a certain way with abortion. It's important to, you know, be open to however someone feels and kind of support them through that and not be dismissive, dismissive of whatever their feelings are. What do you think contributes to this range of mental health experiences one can have when they go through an abortion? I think what stands out the most for me is 
that can contribute to kind of the, the mental health aspect of the abortion is um, kind of the, the levels of abortion stigma. And so there is, and I'm just gonna make sure that I give credit where credit is due. Um, there is a toolkit um, for understanding and action. And um, I will let you like link it in the bio because all the contributors, it's, it's, a, it's a lot long for me to just like list it out. Um, but what they kind of break down is this idea of abortion stigma and the layers and the levels. And, and when I read this and when I saw this, to me, it really made sense the connection between what a lot of people are experiencing with their mental health. So they break it down that the levels of abortion stigma, so there's like individual stigma. So that's how we would relate to ourselves. So um, some people struggle with just their own, if we call it like value system. And just so on an individual level, they might uh, feel a certain type of way about what like, what they're choosing to do or not choosing to do. So they might feel something about that. So on an individual stigma level. Then we have like community stigma. So depending on which community you were, you know, uh, you're surrounded in, maybe the community in which you're raised in, that also can impact stigma around abortion. And that can vary. Um, you know, I grew up in a community that was was for the most part open-ish so very open about um, lots of different topics but this was one that was never talked about so for me a lot of my mental health emotions were really rooted on like what will other people think of me so for me my kind of the stigma was like at the community then we have um, institutional stigma right um, we have what we're experiencing or what you uh, talking about Texas, like legal stigma, right? So that's very different. So imagine the mental health needs of someone who lives in a state or a country or a province where it is illegal or criminalized. So the mental health aspect that that would take on you. Um, and then we also have mass media and culture stigma around it and how that might impact. Um, I can't remember how many years ago it was, um, and I might be pronouncing her first name wrong. I wanna say it was like Busy Phillips, you know, do you know that actress? And there was something on social media and I think it was like, you know me, or I think it was like hashtag, you know me. And it was trying to say like, there's actually a lot more people who have experienced abortion than we know. So, I mean, maybe at that time, like media and culture helped people feel less alone, but I think often um, the way it is talked about in media, um, the way it, it is portrayed in shows, um, I think can also contribute to people's experience with abortion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, as you mentioned, there are so many levels of stigma and so many different types and ways that abortion is stigmatized. Um, so yeah, I think it, it can definitely, depending on what you resonate with to be, you know, the challenges you face with abortion that can definitely impact mental health and you know cause the process to be harder on you could you kind of tell us a bit about the systems of support that are available to individuals who are going through the process of abortion 
Yeah, so I'll speak more so uh, for like Ontario mm -hmm. or even like Canada wide. Um, if anyone listening is listening and they are like outside of Ontario, outside of Canada, and they, you know, would like more information of like support to definitely like reach out to me. Maybe you can put uh, an email kind of in show notes or just somewhere. Um, so in terms of like support, you, um, there's uh, a place called like Choice Connect. And so what this can help is just help you find the nearest abortion provider just based on your needs. Um, so in terms of support, support might be um, just pre counts like pre um, to know like what your options are as well. Like a lot of people don't know what their options are. Um, there's, you know, medical abortion, there's uh, procedural abortion, there's, um, I'm going to use the word natural abortion. And I don't know if that's like the correct term right now, but um, there's other like, there's different options that people have. And so first you probably would want to know like, what are your options? What do they all entail? And so um, Choice Connect is like a great place to start. There's also, I believe they're, they're Toronto based and I could be wrong, but they're called Birthmark. So again, they have a lot of resources. Um, so the support is just first like knowing your options. Um, sometimes Planned Parenthood, if you're between the ages of 13 and 29, they do counseling and I believe it's free still. So to have someone to talk through and to, to process. Um, during the process, so if you um, are going through a medical or a procedural abortion, um, you can reach out. So that's what, again, the training that I did. So an abortion doula. So someone that can pick you up and take you to and from um, someone who can do any form of like self-care for you. So maybe that's through like a massage or making sure that you have like tea or, or what it is that you need kind of during. Um, some of those doulas will offer like post support as well. Um, post support can also look like, yeah, therapy counseling through, again, Plant Parenthood is great just because I know they offer it for free. Um, there are also, I'm just looking through um, other, so yeah, Birthmark, like I said, I kind of mentioned them before, they have so many resources about all of these steps. So they are often my go-to and that's what I'm, I'm uh, quoting from right now. Um, but yeah, afterwards, there is also a talk line. So like in terms of therapy, they're called Connect and Breathe. Uh, a non-judgmental talk line is what they call themselves. Um, there's a support group as well uh, called Abortion Support Group for Heart Healing. And they are um, on Facebook. Um, yeah, so there's definitely a lot of support out there but often like I said at the beginning it can be hard to know where to find it yeah thank you for thank you for sharing those I think I didn't know a lot of them either and I think it's so important that you know we can we can share this information and you know hopefully that through this process the support can you know help the mental health experience and I think you know truly having support through it and you know feeling like we're heard and and understood and our feelings aren't dismissed is such an important part of it um finally what do you feel that we can do better to support the mental health of those who go through abortion or post-abortion oh wow i think so one is um 
know that it's okay to like to, to talk about it and like you said like it can be so polarizing so sometimes it can be scary because you might um you know openly talk about it and the person that you share it with could um you know be be let's say opposed and then now like you're in such a vulnerable state and and so um I think the people who are there to support, if we can just keep the conversations going, keep them open, um, people who also support uh, the right to that bodily autonomy or right to abortion, like yourself, like this podcast, just to be that person who someone knows to like, I could go and just talk to you or know that like you will hear from like a non-judgmental space. Um, obviously, I think a lot needs to be done in terms of the 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 legislation and the fact that our politicians still think that they have a right to create these laws um i think that is alarming that we're in like what 2021 and and um that we still need to argue this i think to me that's sometimes like shocking to the to the point of often uh i know sometimes for myself when i'm so shocked and overwhelmed i can like just numb or like kind of shut down. It's so hard to do something. So I think if you have the ability to reach out to like your local, you know, politician or, or just to even be invested, like sometimes I think it came out, I can't remember, maybe it was this election, but just even how like some um, conservative members of parliament like do support laws that would limit people's access to abortion and that really shocked me being here in Canada so knowing that and knowing that like we could use our voice to reach out on that level as well um I think just like caring for one another as well and and knowing too that there's not a timeline for what your emotions are going to be around an abortion um you could have experienced an abortion uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, and you hear something and now you start the process of like maybe wanting to process it. Like there's no timeline for it. Um, and I think that could be helpful for people to know, like a year later, you're not just supposed to be, you know, over it. Um, or you might like in a day be okay. Um, so yeah, that it's not linear and there's not a right way. Yeah, I think I'm I'm so grateful for conversations like these and being able to talk about it on on this platform to, you know, be able to hear your thoughts today and and being able to share this information that is so critical and so needed. So I just wanted to thank you so much for being on today and for you know sharing with us all of your knowledge. Thank you. There is a great, um, I'm just going to find the name. There are awesome, um, there's a podcast mm -hmm. and it is specifically around um, talking about abortions. And I just want to get the name correctly. So I'm doing like a super quick, <laughs> like look at my resources because I thought I had it up. Oh, it's called um, Abortion with Love uh, and it's a podcast. And the host is incredible. They talk about um, trans inclusive abortion care. They talk about abortion care in across the world, not just specifically in uh, the United States or Canada. Um, they it's just it's just an incredible podcast. So for anyone who's just interested or 
just wants to know that there's like other people out there and just to learn more um, abortion with love podcast. And then also, like I mentioned who I was trained from and who a lot, if not all of my um, like knowledge comes from is like uh, DAPO support ran by um, her name is Zachi and then also Carly. So they're like wonderful places for resources as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I will provide links to all these resources and definitely check them out myself to, you know, continue the conversation and continue learning. And yeah, I, I really, I really hope to continue to do so. And, and thank you for starting this conversation with me and, and hopefully continuing it on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've reached the end of this episode with the Trauma and Mental Health Report podcast. Thanks for joining us. Connect with us at trauma.blog.yorku.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter to see our latest content. See you all at the next episode.